Good evening. I hope you've had a wonderful day today. Welcome to BVJ's Bedtime Stories. My name is Big Voice Jay, and this is a show where we get you ready for a great night's sleep with some old familiar stories that you haven't heard in a while. Links to every story can be found in the show notes at our website, bedtimewithbvj.com. Tonight's story, The Blind Man and the Elephant, by James Baldwin. There were once six blind men who stood by the roadside every day and begged from the people who passed. They had often heard of elephants, but they had never seen one, for being blind, how could they? It so happened one morning that an elephant was driven down the road where they stood. When they were told that the great beast was before them, they asked the driver to let him stop so that they might see him. Of course, they could not see him with their eyes, but they thought that by touching him, they could learn just what kind of animal he was. The first one happened to put his hand on the elephant's side. Well, well, he said, now I know all about this beast. He is exactly like a wall. The second felt only of the elephant's tusk. My brother, he said, you are mistaken. He is not at all like a wall. He is round and smooth and sharp. He is more like a spear than anything else. The third happened to take hold of the elephant's trunk. Both of you are wrong, he said. Anybody who knows anything can see that this elephant is like a snake. The fourth reached out his arms and grasped one of the elephant's legs. Oh, how blind you are, he said. It is very plain to me that he is round and tall like a tree. The fifth was a very tall man, and he chanced to take hold of the elephant's ear. The blindest man ought to know that this beast is not like any of the things that you name, he said. He is exactly like a huge fan. The sixth was very blind indeed, and it was some time before he could find the elephant at all. At last he seized the animal's tail. Oh, foolish fellows, he cried. You surely have lost your senses. This elephant is not like a wall or a spear or a snake or a tree. Neither is he like a fan. But any man with a particle of sense can see that he is exactly like a rope. Then the elephant moved on and the six blind men sat by the roadside all day and quarreled about him. Each believed that he knew just how the animal looked and each called the others hard names because they did not agree with him. People who have eyes sometimes act as foolishly. Have you noticed where someone just goes off without having all of the information? You realize all of the gentlemen were right because they were all feeling the same thing. I know you know this, but I just had to spell it out for everybody, just in case you didn't. You might be sleepy after all. But, my goodness, if you want to get all the information, get as much information as you can. Multiple sources, multiple places. Don't just read a blog or a listicle or anything like that. And if you do, keep up with it. With Pocket. Enter BVJ in the promo code. And it will do absolutely nothing because I'm pretty sure that doesn't exist. But what does exist is our next story by James Baldwin. Bruce and the Spider. There was once a king of Scotland whose name was Robert Bruce. He had need to be both brave and wise, for the times in which he lived were wild and rude. 
The King of England was at war with him and had led a great army into Scotland to drive him out of the land. Battle after battle had been fought. Six times had Bruce led his brave little army against his foes, and six times had his men been beaten and driven into flight. At last his army was scattered, and he was forced to hide himself in the woods and in lonely places among the mountains. One rainy day, Bruce lay on the ground under a rude shed, listening to the patter of the drops on the roof above him. He was tired and sick at heart and ready to give up all hope. It seemed to him that there was no use for him to try to do anything more. As he lay thinking, he saw a spider over his head, making ready to weave her web. He watched her as she toiled slowly and with great care. Six times she tried to throw her frail thread from one beam to another, and six times it fell short. Poor thing, said Bruce. You too know what it is to fail. But the spider did not lose hope with the sixth failure. With still more care, she made ready to try for the seventh time. Bruce almost forgot his own troubles as he watched her swing herself out upon the slender line. Would she fall again? No! The thread was carried safely to the beam and fastened there. I too will try a seventh time, cried Bruce. He arose and called his men together. He told them of his plans and sent them out with messages of cheer to the disheartened people. Soon there was an army of brave Scotchmen around him. Another battle was fought, and the King of England was glad to go back into his own country. I have heard it said that, after each day, no one by the name of Bruce would ever hurt a spider. The lesson which the little creature had brought the king has never been forgotten. And there is a lesson we need to keep in our minds as well. You keep trying, even though you may fail, even though you may look foolish, even though you may uh, be failing in front of a camera, in front of <laughs> loads of people. But you keep trying. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and just try it again. Because just trying again makes you better than anybody else. Because you're willing to step back out there and do it. Our final story is The Fight of the Good Ship Clarissa by Ray Bradbury. The space rocket Clarissa was nine days out from Venus. The members of the crew were also out for nine days. They were hunters, fearless expeditionists, who bagged game in Venusian jungles. At the start of our story, they are busy bagging their pants, not to forget their eyes. A sort of lull has fallen over the ship. Just so you know, a lull is a time warp that frequently attacks rockets and seduces its members into a siesta. It was during this lull that Anthony Quelch sat sprawled at his typewriter, looking as baggy as a bag of unripe grapefruit. Anthony Quelch, the cosmic clamor boy, with a face like turned linoleum on the third term, busy writing a book, Fascism is Communism with a Shave, for which he would receive 367 rubles, 10 pazinkas, and incarceration in a cinema showing Gone with the Wind. The boys upstairs were throwing a party in the control room. They had been throwing the same party so long the party looked like a worn-out first edition of a trapeze artist. There is doubt in our mind as to whether they were trying to break the party up or just do the morning mopping and break the lease simultaneously. 
Arms, legs, and heads littered the deck. The boys, it seems, threw a party at the drop of a chin. Sort of a space cataclysm with rules and little regulation. Kind of an atomic convulsion in the front parlor. The neighbors never complained. The neighbors were 450 million miles away. And the boys were tighter than a ketchup bottle at lunchtime. The last time the captain had looked up the hatch and called to his kitties in a gentle voice, Hello! The kitties had thrown snowballs at him. The captain had vanished. Clever way they make these space bombs nowadays. A few minutes previous, the boys had been tearing up old amazings and throwing them at one another. But now they contented themselves with tearing up just the editors. Palmer was torn in half and he sat in a corner arguing with himself about rejecting the story for an hour before someone put him through an orange juice machine, killing him. Orange juice, sorry, now? And then they landed on Venus. How in heck they got back there so quick is a wonder of science. But there they were. Come on, girls, quiet Quelch. Put on your shin guards, get out there and dig ditches for good old WPA and the Rover Boys Academy, Earth Branch 27. Out into the staggering rain they dashed. Five minutes later they came back in, gasping, reeling. They had forgotten their corsets. The Venusians closed in like a million landlords. Charge, men, cried Quelch, running the other way. And then, battle. What a fight, folks cried Quelch. Twenty thousand Earthmen against two Venusians. We're outnumbered, but we'll fight. Bloosh! Correction. Ten thousand men fighting. Kabloom! One hundred men from Earth left. Boom! This is the last man speaking, folks. What a fight. I ain't had so much fun since... Help! Someone just clipped my corset strings! Boom! Someone just clipped me! The field was silent. The ship lay gleaming in the pink light of dawn that was just blooming over the mountains like a pale flower. The two Venusians stood weeping over the bodies of the earthlings like onion peelers or two women in a bargain basement. One Venusian looked at the other Venusian and in a high-pitched, hoarse, sad voice said, Aye, aye, aye! This shouldn't happen to a dog! Not a doity little dog! And dawn came peacefully like beer barrels rolling. Ray Bradbury is a trip. What a crazy creative man. We love it. We'll have more of him in uh, coming episodes, soon as they become public domain. And if you have a story you'd like me to read, please send it to me, bigboysj at gmail.com. And while you're on your keyboard... Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes. iTunes loves reviews. It helps people find the show. We want everybody to have a good night's sleep. And we like to think we're doing our small part of it. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)